1: Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome in to the show. Hopefully you can hear me. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and I'm here with Andrew Spade. We are going to do um, an Ask the OBR episode, which I think should be uh, should be relatively interesting. I got to switch up my microphone here as it seems it's connected to the AirPods. That should be a little better. Um, but yeah, we are um, um, <laughs> filled with a day of Browns news with a lot to talk about, Andrew. We can, we can sort of start at the top, man, which is, uh, you know... This out of nowhere, special teams firing. Right. I know that we had sort of asked for that um, over time, uh, at least towards the end of the year. I know you and I on many, many uh, episodes at the end of games, Twitch postgame shows were um, pretty vocal about a desire to to see if they could move on from Woods and Prefer. they did. They did move on with Woods. I think it's relatively obvious, Andrew, I'll start with this and pass it to you. That they wanted this decision could not have just been made like last weekend. They they had mm. wanted to move on from pre for a while, and the friendship there probably meant, hey, we're gonna give you time to try to land a new gig elsewhere. Uh, but eventually, if we have a guy to hire, we're gonna have to make that hire. So I don't think this is a revelation to anybody there. Um, both between pre the the the, the top of the front office and Kevin and all I don't think Kevin waltzed into the office Monday and was like hey I need to make a change now they could I mean I guess you never know I guess there could have been some fallout some thing that happened but it seems the obvious path is couldn't find a replacement um, job for brief quick enough as they saw with Jeff Howard who they let walk away they let Kiffin walk away uh, I guess if if brief would have been able to be um, allowed to walk away um, to a new job I'm sure he would have but, yeah, it seems like we'll talk about the names in a second. Those became sort of available, and they wanted to jump at the opportunity to get an interview and get the get the ball rolling here.
0: Yeah. I was just looking at the calendar. It's been six weeks since the end of the season. Uh, so Joe Woods was fired six weeks ago yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, pretty unprecedented, I think, in terms of off-season coaching moves to make one the day after the season and then make the other one six weeks later, um, when you're talking about coordinator positions, certainly. So um I, you know, I, I think it was a surprise just because I I had kind of assumed they had moved on and that they were, you know, down the road into free agency prep and uh, you know, working on the draft, obviously. And, you know, the coordinators are involved in some of that stuff. I'm sure that Prefer had already been watching film on guys and stuff like that. I mean he's you know, I know he's not as involved as the oc or the dc but he's going to be involved he's going to they're going to ask for his opinion on guys um so to make this change at this juncture yeah i mean i i don't think that it would it wouldn't be responsible to speculate about something you know happening suddenly over the past few days so i think your explanation makes the most sense that they were you know trying to give him every opportunity to 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 find a way out that didn't involve having to let him go uh but they ended up where they ended up and um you know, I think it sounds like they're going to end up better for it, but uh, it's just a very weird – you know, the way that this organization, this group, I should say, this this group in, in charge, has handled the coaching staff stuff over the past few off seasons has just been strange. It, it's not what fair. we're used to. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think that's fair. They have had such little turnover that yeah. um, now seeing them turn over – and I think you and I have been, uh, again, on some of those shows at the end of games – at least I know most recent memory, those end of the season games were talking about the change of voice needed at several spots and a desire for different thought processes, both defense and offense and specials obviously were included there. I just have been sort of vocal that, you know, I don't, I just don't think a special teams coach does move the needle all too much now. And the margins are tight, which you and I talked about on franchise mode the other day. Like it's nice to have quality special teams and I want that, but you know, it's not like, they're going to be a three game better team next year because they hired right. whoever as a special right. teams coach. I don't think people understand that the specials that the Browns had last year, although frustrating at times, not really that bad compared to their peers. Really That's middle correct. of the road and That's actually correct. according to DVOA better than the than a, than a leading candidates group in the Colts. Now, it depends what special teams ranking unit you like. There's a bunch of different i mean like i don't know i the, the spectrum of special teams rankings out there is kind of wild you'll look at one you look at the next and it's like okay which one do you trust the most and i, I don't know right. i mean i've seen some where the colts uh which again we're going to talk about um, uh, um bubba ventron in just a minute um about that role that that he's playing in indy and how they're getting out of that but like i don't think briefs as bad as people thought but i do think there's there have been times where the carryover of I'm just going to say it. I think Cade York's performance unfairly gets put a lot onto his shoulders. Now, listen, I'm not saying they shouldn't have moved on from free for, I was more than willing to do so. And I still am. I don't think, I think they needed to change a voice there. I certainly wanted Kevin to go out and get some different names, um, you know, all of that stuff. But I, I also just think that when you look around the league you, you we all singularly focus on the Browns, which is why you're here. It's why we're talking about them, but they right. were not as bad as you think. They were middle-of-the-road mm-hmm. special teams-wise performance. They had a great return game this year, yep. uh, which was really nice to see. Their kickoff unit got better. The KOR, like I said, was better. The punt team was actually the worst unit. Um, they did not cover punts very well, but, you know, like I said, it's not like this is going from the 32nd ranked special teams. Now they have a chance to jump into the top 10. I think Ventron is good. I have no if that's who they hire, and we'll talk about in a second. Great, it's, I'm I'm all for a change of voice, man. I'm I'm all for it. But like, I think in general people don't have a great, and I don't mean this to be mean. I mean sometimes I don't either. Like there, if you go watch practices like there's special teams periods where they'll pull apart guys and have them running special teams drills and things like that. Those are where you see a difference. Techniques used, things like that. Um, the very minor decision uh, spots of who's out there at what spot. It's a lot of things that we just don't know. And I think a lot of times we're like, well, he sucks, right? He shouldn't – He the special teams coach is terrible. And we make that assumption off of like seven plays in a seven-week period. So, you know, for the most part, you just want your special teams to be quiet. And I, I think that, again, some missed kicks here or there spring that – like, the feeling one way or the other. But I'm just here to tell you – because I had somebody bring up penalties. Like, they had the 23rd in penalties. Like, they didn't they didn't have very yep. many penalties on special yep. teams this the last two years. I only mean, had 12 this year and 11 the year before. But, like, anyway, I'm I, again, I'm not sitting here being like, man, letting Preef go was a terrible choice. I'm just saying they weren't that bad. Now, can they get better, Andrew? I think that's the question. They They clearly – think there's a path to getting better.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everything you said is spot on, um, especially, you know, the part about evaluating special teams uh, statistically is, is tough. Um, it's one of the areas where not having like a reliable source of EPA data, play by play EPA data is really is hard um, mm-hmm. because I, I think EPA is, it, my impression is that EPA is probably harsher on them than DVOA is. Um, but that's just based on some things I heard during the season. Um, I, I, I remember still uh, after the first Ravens game, uh, Mike Sando was talking about the Browns special teams were like negative 12 EPA in that first Ravens game, uh, which was a three point loss. So I, I I'm, I'm with you generally, Jake, I'm, I'm not here to say that, you know, the difference between Mike Briefer and whomever they hire is enough to, to equal wins, but, I think the the problem that people had with with Prefer was that it seemed like uh, it was an area where um, mediocrity and and sometimes really being quite bad was being uh, tolerated and and kind of in the same way that it was uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So, and, and and you know I think the other point that that you made and I think it's really relevant here is a change in voice. Um, it's been four years, you know, and so if you give somebody four years. You know, probably this year was his best year as special teams coach, and they were still, you know, middle to, uh, you know, bottom half of the league. So, uh, not enough improvement considering, you know, kind of where they've they've been over the past few years. They they needed to really kind of elevate towards the top ten, and they didn't. So the question is, can they now hire somebody that can bring them into that top ten and and find those, you know it's it's i mean as much as it's about not making the big mistake it's also about finding ways to you know steal points sometimes right i mean that that we talked about it on on thursday that fake punt uh you know uh the jets pulled off against the browns then swept the league uh, last year because the smart special teams coaches were like oh yeah if they turn and run they won't be covering the 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 gunner and we can just throw it to them and you know the the Browns didn't ever really seem to steal those sorts of opportunities either. So um, I, I think there is a, a, an opportunity for improvement here, um, mm-hmm. but it's not you know it's not going to be nearly as as big as you know if Deshaun Watson shows up and is a top five quarterback this year, or the defense turns from a bottom you know a twenty unit to to a top ten unit.
1: Well said. I, I, I'm all about it. I think anytime you can create some advantages, and the people who have covered him and indy have talked about that like he d- he does a nice job of doing things that create advantages yeah great I- i'm all for upgrading those things and i'm not sitting here shedding tears over pre for being gone but like just want to give perspective that even yeah. if they become great it's not you know this is the funny thing i mean talked about somebody had hit hit uh, up a reply to something i said on specials about that Well, they just you know just kneel the ball in the end zone more often well you know the browns were th- third most returns this past year that might have frustrated you. Well, Indy had two more return kick returns, right. so right they, it's just it is what it is. Like, you know, if these guys are going to be aggressive, and someone had replied again, a guy connected over in Indianapolis, uh, who covers them for the Indy Indianapolis Star, I believe, it was like, Well, the difference is they were the best return team, um, in the NFL, which they were, they averaged like 27 and some change per kickoff right. return. The Browns were 11th average like 25 it's two yards it's not that big a deal yeah like every yard matters i get it but it's not like you're moving the needle that much here so i'm all for it um good fine good like if this is going to help uh you you know the overall health of your roster and the health of getting players to contribute more in specials and apparently if you want to know more about um you know bubba or raven trone uh you can watch the uh, Colts were on Amazon, I believe. The in-season hard knocks uh, this year, I believe they were a part of that. So
0: you yeah, can see
1: yeah. um, some of how he is uh, on the sideline. Obviously, he played for the Patriots for a while there. He played for the Jets for a year. Was in the with the Browns for three years, back in 09 to '12. He came out of Villanova, so he was around special teams practice squads, assistant specials coach in '15 through '17 in New England, and then automatically jumps over in 2018 and gets a special teams coordinator job. He was with Indy through that time. And for whatever reason with Steichen, they just have not wanted to retain him. So I don't really know what's going on there, but it seems like some options are out there for Raven Trone. So, or he goes by Bubba, um, you know, which I'm I support anybody who goes by the name Bubba. The, the, yep. the, shout out to those Bubba's out there. Yep. Um, he seems to be the leader in the clubhouse. Now we also heard about an, an, an interview with Anthony Blevins, who is pretty well respected in the league. Um, you know he's been around for a while. I mean, he's coached uh, at the college level through two thousand twelve as a cornerbacks coach. Then he was assistant specials with the Cardinals for four years, the Giants for a couple years. Then he was an assistant defensive backs coach with the Giants in twenty, assistant linebackers coach, special teams assistant in twenty one, and then a special teams assistant solely, specifically special teams assistant in twenty two. So Anthony Blevins and Raven Trone are the ones that we have heard about as the interviews um, right now, nothing is official. We have not heard of any hirings. There have been some beat writers today who, um, and pretty, and people who are close to the situation, who believe uh, Ventrone's pretty much a done deal to come to Cleveland. But I think there are formalities here. Uh, they have to appease some rules in the hiring or interview process. Feels like they're doing that a little bit, whether that you want to call that pretty or ugly, that's up to you, but that's what they're doing. It feels like the Ventrone thing is going to happen. So uh, that's the angle we're going with here. Uh, and, and again, I, I don't know if, you know, the Colts obviously were in limbo. Ventron, there some people who thought Ventrone was upset that he didn't get the interim head coaching job uh, with Indy, and they gave it to Jeff Saturday, and they've sort of fallen out, and they've done nothing to secure his future. So I don't know. I know, obviously, Steichen got hired a week and a half ago or so. I mean, I I just don't really know. Maybe they wanted him to meet. I don't know. We we haven't also heard that an official interview has even happened. Uh, We heard that they requested an interview today, so they could still – tonight talk to him whatever whatever and block it technically yep. cuz it's not an upgrade now I don't know if they attach assistant head coach to that does that change I don't know there's technicalities to that but uh, as far as we know Ventrone's leading the clubhouse we've only other other name we've heard about is Anthony Blevins but I I to everybody's point that I think is fair um I don't think they've moved on from prefier here without an idea what they're going to do it just it feels way too late in the process to let that uh, to leave themselves in the limbo here. So and maybe they like Blevins. I don't know. They could. They could really like him. I, I'm not sure, but I, I just know that it's late in the process. They had to have a really firm plan in place at this point. At least that's how I felt Andrew.
0: Yeah, I think the only thing I would say is just that it's, I think it's notable that um you know all the all the noise on Ventrone being gone is on the indie side. So you know he he obviously feels pretty comfortable that he's getting that this job or a job or something. Right. So, yeah. cause he's, he's being very noisy about it. It's all on the Colts side. Um, as always the Browns are as buttoned up as, you know, as they can be. So there's no leaks, you know, there's nobody in Cleveland saying, Oh, they're, they're committed to Ventron, you know? So um, anytime it's, there's this sort this much public noise about something, there's the part of you that's like, well, that makes it inevitable. And then there's the part of you that's like, well, uh, is it, Too much noise to be true, you know, like it. it, 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 And and so then you start to think about, you know, what the other options would be, some of the other ways that they could get to where they need to go. Um, you know, this other candidate, uh, Anthony Blevins certainly seems qualified, so you know, maybe he's maybe he's the guy that they've had their eye on the entire time, and they were really giving Mike Prefer a chance to try and get a different job first. So, you know, I, I don't think we can assume. Just because of the indie stuff, that it's definitely Ventrone. but it does. Having said all of that, it does make sense that that sort of uh, qualified candidate, who you know the Colts decided not to keep, would be a guy you know good enough to make them move on from prefer.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything there. There's uh, like, I think it'll go quick. Moral of the story: yeah, uh, We'll right. hear tomorrow whether interviews were sure. granted. Uh, it'll go quick obviously Blevins can interview because he's an assistant special teams coach Ventrone obviously leading a special teams unit has to get approval I think it'll go quick we'll hear quickly uh, by by the end of the week is the plan now we are getting some the, our first taste of any other offense or defense news here with it's delicious um, it, it's it's been a long time coming you're getting a little like nervous a with the combine like a week away yeah um they went out and hired Utah State's defensive coordinator Ephraim Banda as the uh, safeties coach. Now, I like that they're going to do a dedicated safety corner coach, maybe mm-hmm. a um, mm-hmm. overall secondary coach on top of that. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I like I like having a safeties coach. I think they need particular the uh, particular care for that group to to sort of separate, deviate, learn that role, and then come together with the corner. So, I, I, I like that a lot. Um, so looking at band coaching history. He was with Miami for a while. Um, this is the college level. He's his, most of his experience at college level is a student assistant at uh Incarnate word. And then he was a defensive graduate assistant at Texas, Mississippi state defensive assistant, Miami, uh, the U uh, down in Florida, safeties coach, co-defensive coordinator, safeties at uh, Miami there in 19 to, uh, to 2020. And then at Utah state, he's been the defensive coordinator and safeties, coach there as well so extensive safety experience obviously in some way shape or form left an impression on Schwartz right Mm -hmm. um he sent quite a few people uh, from the Miami teams there to the NFL from his secondary group safeties group Mm -hmm. Jamal Carter Adrian Colbert Rayshon Jenkins Jaquan Johnson and then obviously we know well um you know uh Sheldrick Redwine so Mm -hmm. he's been around I mean I Again, would like guys with more NFL experience. We'll see what they do with the leading of that entire secondary. We'll see what they do with the defensive line group. Obviously big decision to be made there, but you know, a guy who was running a pretty successful defense. I mean, if you look at some of the metrics that they've had there, they've been a really, a relatively solid group and uh, you know, a high volume tackle for loss group from everything I gather. Uh, But we'll have to see if, um, we could stroll into some safety look and see how the safeties have played for him um, at Utah state, but there's not a ton to go on here. So, um, you know, college guy, there's a lot of college guys on the staff still. Um, you know, again, I prefer some more uh, you know, longer tenured NFL guys to get on this staff eventually not saying they won't do that, but I do like a dedicated safeties coach. Uh, I think that, I think that'll help. So uh, any, any thought, I mean, there's not much to, <laughs> to really say about it is a, it's a relative unknown yeah. but I'll I'll give you the floor to say whatever you want on on that hire.
0: The only thing that I'll say is just that I I like anytime you are hiring somebody who has been a defensive coordinator even at the college level because they yeah. they they see the whole system, right? So they understand mm-hmm. not only the position but then how that position interacts with the rest of the defense. Uh and and you know, I mean, I agree with you that it would be nice to see more experience uh you know, pro experience in some of these position coaches. The plus of getting somebody from the college ranks is that they're going to probably bring some innovative ideas, stuff that Jim Schwartz maybe hasn't really had a chance to see. That that you know you need to do to defend things in the Mountain West when you're playing a team like Air Force that you don't really mm. need to do. You know uh, when you're in Tennessee uh, coaching the Titans, so I, I think that you know you can you can kind of spin that there's there's some benefit to having a few of those guys. I definitely don't want all of those position coaches to come straight from college because uh, we've kind of been down that road. Um, But having a little bit of that, especially when he's been a coordinator, I I like that flavor of it.
1: Yeah, me too. It's, again, I think that a dedicated safeties coach is becoming pretty popular around the NFL, so I certainly like giving those guys a little bit more attention. Now, we do see some teams also go outside, inside linebackers, coaches as well. Um, Yeah, You know, so we'll see if that comes to fruition. Maybe they they look to do that and add somebody to Tarver's group. But, yeah, I mean – Jim Schwartz has talked about coaching up coaches is as important as anything here. So we'll certainly see how he's able to handle that role. I mean, for the most part, we haven't heard of any other uh, movement. We have heard today that Petzing is interested in taking some of the Browns um, lower level coaches, whether that's uh, I don't have the exact name of the guys he's interested in. I don't know if it's official that he's taken any of them yet, but uh, Petzing will probably look to pluck some of the Browns quality control guys on the offensive side. Uh, so keep your eye out for that. I would imagine he's gonna get those. I don't think Kevin will stand in his way all too much on those um on those names unless they're just really high. Now we'll hear if they block somebody, uh, because it'll get it'll get publicized if they block somebody, but I would imagine those guys, most of them will be going for upgrades, and that's something the Browns can't block. So there will be some sort of movement. We talked about it. We want some different voices in on offense. It sounds like pets and Andrew will Forced their hand. We already know the quarterback coach situation went from Petsing's vacancy, but it seems like at the minimum, um, we will have some other quality control guys or different names in there to help them on uh, some of the minor scale stuff. And that's, you know, that to me is not a problem.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a plus um, that they're, that they're having to do it. I, my, I'm curious how much of this is, is really due to Petzing being hired and how much would have happened Otherwise, I mean, obviously they weren't going to fire Drew Petzinger, you know, but they, they, you know, they, they moved him from tight ends to quarterbacks last year. So, um, you know, one thing that the, the pre for firing this late in the, the, the cycle just kind of opened my eyes to is maybe we do see more change on offense than we were expecting, um, given that they made this move so late, maybe they're, maybe they're not, you know, beyond uh, making a change at offensive coordinator
1: maybe maybe no one's really given Kevin that question I would imagine they'll throw the question to him as they do every single year at the combine um he gets it at various stages of the offseason but the combine is when Kevin and Andrew get in front of the microphone and have some conversations about things so I'm sure he will get that question I hope they don't do too much too late because you obviously all want to be on the same page as you go into studying combine players studying pro days and studying tape and going into the draft um you know, you certainly you certainly want to be on the same page and have every every part of that down. So I, while I'm not against, obviously, what they're doing of late and obviously moving on from brief was was a good decision. I think we could all agree about that. You do want to sort of tighten up the timeline here if you can uh, to. to an instant. Yeah. And, and really, it's an indie It's an Indian, Arizona issue. Those are the latest hires we've seen in the cycle for a long time. And the fallout from those guys making decisions about who they're going to keep and not keep and block and not block. From hiring, uh, you know, or interviewing other places, is, uh, is has ramifications across the NFL and particularly the Browns. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Listen, we are going to um, go ahead and open it up to questions. So if you have any questions you want to have answered, you can feel free to ask those questions. This is obviously titled and asked the OBR. If you want some discussion stuff opened up, I do want to share with you um, what we're doing over at the OBR. We are. Um, I think doing a really cool thing where we take a look at uh, free agents coming up, going through position by position. We're going to look at defensive tackle first. So we um, are going to look at each one Draymond Jones. We're going to look about five or six from each position. So what we're going to do is kind of go through, uh, talk about the player, give some injury history, athleticism history. Then we're going to rank them. We're going to do an analytics ranking based on their performance from a numbers perspective. I'm going to post a little bit about the film perspective what i notice we're going to get a salary cap judgment and then a final ranking and that rating is sort of what we think the probability is that the browns are going to go after that player so i just wanted to share that that's something that we are doing at the obr to go through each of the bigger names at prospects position um at the position of the browns are s- clearly searching for wide receiver safety defensive um interior defensive edge we're gonna do all of that on top of uh, everything we do for the daily free agency and daily mocks. Now once we get the combine, we will start doing the daily mocks or sorry the dueling mocks that we do every Tuesday during this show, we'll do uh, dueling mock shows uh, from the second week of March all the way until the draft. So those will be if you are a part of that uh, interest in that somebody hit me up on Twitter today about it if you want to do those because we do some fan voting and all that stuff um, come back by and check out, check that out. Like, uh, I think, again, I don't know what the, you want to make sure the combine's over and everything falls a little bit strange this year uh, in terms of dates. So if we're looking at March, it's probably not going to be wrapped up until the seventh or eighth. So we'll see, maybe we started on the seventh. I'm not totally sure what date we'll also post those in podcast form, but I think they are a lot of fun, but we like to get the full picture of, What guys look like as athletes before we do those i think i think it obviously matters
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to do's bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about
1: everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. Let's see here. Uh, we'll start with this one. Do we go heavy with trades uh, instead of draft picks to make an earlier impact? Um, I'll let you answer that one first, Andrew, and then I'll chime in on that. I'm presuming um, that's a trade I, up in the draft.
0: Well, uh, yeah. Or, or, yeah, trading draft picks for players, um, you know, uh, like proven veterans. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, that, that I think there is some, some validity to that. I think that makes a bunch of sense um you know of course it takes two to tango and then there's the contract aspect right so um you know I, I expect the thing that i think will be different this year is the number of uh veterans that the that the browns sign on on cheap uh free agent deals they have really shied away from one year deals with guys kind of at the bottom of the roster they've uh preferred um younger players in those positions and i think that you're going to see more experience on the roster so i think it's going to be more through free agency cheap guys um you know to fill out the the 45th through 53rd spots on the roster
1: i think that is a safe presumption and especially as we looked at draymond jones and like how much a contract of 14 to 18 million or if you get into the 20 millions like day Payne, like how big that's gonna eat into the cap you have to do some things for the three, five, six million dollar types who can really raise the basement of your group, So we actually did this example today in the free agent mock. we traded pick forty two straight up away for Brandon Cooks, and let me tell you when you get when you wait to pick until ninety eight it gets bleak, it gets bleak, man. Yeah. um so it's a long wait to get to pick ninety eight Now, the browns still have seven picks, a lot of picks in the one hundreds but that's a long time to wait 97 prospects to get a, to get any pick in the draft. So I've been pretty vocal about the idea that the Browns have six picks next year, four of their own and then six picks total uh, the fifth rounder they got for Baker Mayfield. And then the uh, swap to take back a sixth or seventh. I, I think it's a seventh in the Dion Jones trade. It's not a great group of picks next year either. So um, I would expect the Browns to maybe punt a pick into 2023 if they can create uh something like a troy hill situation but they're not going to give up a player i do think they're going to try to trade in some way shape or form for a team desperate to move up so um next question's mr robinson here what's up man um great value what value does an oc bring that's a very good question And why does he always look so unhappy <laughs> um i would agree with that uh you know Okay, there's two O.C. There's an offensive coordinator by title, which is what Alex Van Pelt is. Really, what we think of an offensive coordinator doing is calling plays. That's the general thought of what a coordinator does. Now, just because Alex Van Pelt's not calling plays does not mean he's not involved in calling plays, if that makes sense. He just doesn't have the final say on a play, and he doesn't send it in through the communication to the to the player on the field so he is heavily involved in every part of the game plan he's going to pick it apart give his thoughts develop things he thinks they should do meet with kevin and decide then he's going to be the one deciding and i would imagine this is just how it's always been in anything i've been involved in he's going to write up practice scripts and talk through the way they're going to approach implementing the plan that they have decided on from watching tape. and then in game day situations he's obviously in the ear of his quarterback as often as he can on the sideline and he's in his ear in Kevin Stefanski's ear even building the script for the opening and any time they want to talk through calling a play like hey we got this we got that you know second and 14 i really like this design like they are always and Alex has a voice and i'm sure Kevin's asking him too what do you like here alex that question comes up all the time so he's involved like you people want to absolve when they're frustrated with the offense and want to blame Kevin all the time, saying that Van Pelt is just sitting on the sideline with his arms crossed and not doing anything, it's not the truth. They're working on that. They're simpatico. They're together on almost every element of this thing. So that's what an OC is doing now. If he's calling plays, that's a little different. It's a bit more um, demanding. It's a bit more every single second is occupied with working with those guys and calling the plays and getting the communication down but um, Alex is still pretty damn heavily involved. Um, and I think that's a misconception that he's not doing anything. Like, and he's not really, bu- he's really busy and they're taking his game plan advice and they're working together to formulate what they want to do. So um, yeah. Anything to add to that, Andrew? I, I went a little long there, but that's, that's what the OC no, is I doing. Mean, I, when he's I, not I think plays. you said
0: it. Yeah, no, I think you said it. And I think, you know, I think to the second point of that um, they, they, they do need more creativity on offense. And it's the question mm-hmm. that we, we kind of got to at the end of the season was, are the, is that going to be from them going out and bringing new ideas in, or is that going to be them changing some of the staff members to bring new ideas in? And so that's kind of what we're still waiting to see, right? I mean, part of what's interesting about this quarterbacks coach hire is if they hire somebody with a college background that maybe is more familiar with Watson, that, that changes the type of ideas and the voice in the room. Um, You know, if they hire, you know, the other name that's been out there is James Urban, who's, you know, was a, was a longtime friend of Stefanski and has been an NFL coach for a long time, you know, worked with Greg Roman in Baltimore. I don't know if he's bringing a lot of innovative stuff uh, that, you know, hasn't really been seen in the NFL before. So um, you know, I, I think that's the dream, right. Is that they've got the quarterback now, so they can kind of draw it up however they want. You'd like to see them be a little bit more aggressive and, um, creative than what we saw at the mm-hmm. end of 22.
1: Yeah. Agree with that. I, I think that that's why like, to your point, <laughs> they want to get some different voices in here and chat. And I've, I've put it out on my podcast now too many times about where I hope this offense evolves to, and I know you piggybacked and did a great job pointing out some things in your write up on Kevin today. So, well worth your time to check that out. Uh, we're going to speed through a cu- uh, some more of these questions. So, uh, Mick the dog asked question: Is Newsom going to stay on this roster? Well, yeah, um, he's certainly the most valuable trade chip that they have. Uh, it would take a serious wide receiver to get him off of this roster. So. Uh, it's a matter of, like, could that happen? Could Jerry Judy, hey, could somebody call and say, hey, we have Elijah Moore, we have Jerry Judy, we have this player, that player? Yeah, it could, and the Browns could weigh it out and decide that that's worth it. I think it's like 90%, that 95% is probably what I should say, that Greg Newsom's on the roster, uh, but he is their most valuable trade chip in any discussion. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, in, you know, he'll, he'll, he's good. He's going to continue to be, continue to be good. Chances slot is filled by free agency versus draft or will it be both? Um, what do you lean there, Andrew?
0: Uh, I think it has to be a free agent because I think that guy needs to be ready to play week one. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I I mentioned this last night, you know, the, 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 you know, the draft is for long-term investments. Free agency is for fixing holes, and they've got a hole at slot cornerback right now.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't mind adding a late corner that you can develop there, or a UDFA like the kid from uh, App State that they brought in last year, who they ended up letting go. I would like to see a long-term development of that position, but yeah, that's a usually a three to five million dollar player in free agency that you can get that can really come in and help you at that spot. So I don't, I certainly don't want to go into the draft thinking. We really got to come out of this with a slot corner profile guy. Like, that's not healthy. So I do hope they fill that. Uh, Ryan Wells asks here, uh, which defensive lineman possibly be available in the second round? I mean, this is a nice mesh of edge and D-tackle spot guys that could be there at 42. Like, you never want to say guys aren't going to be there. So, like, the tip of the iceberg at guys at 42 that you're most interested in, if you want, like, a longer, lanky or bendier edge, like B.J. Ojolari could be there. Don't think he will, but he could. Um, Nolan Smith could. Don't think he will, but he could. You never, you don't want to say never on these drafts. Uh, Felix Anodike Ozoma uh, could be there from, from Kansas State. He's a lot of fun. Uh, just looking at pure edge guys who sort of fit the age guard rails. Those are the guys off the top of my head here as I'm just sitting here not looking at a draft list guys that i've drafted every day like the edge stuff the guys that are usually there at edge there's older players like will mcdonald and Keon white who are uh in the 23 and older and like some creeping into the 24s who could help but again i don't like uh i don't think they're going to draft their 42 98 picks are probably not going to be the older guys they're probably still going to try to go young there um but certainly those guys could could play uh You know, uh, the the Iowa kid was sort of being mocked there. Lucas Van Ness, I think, is what it is. He was being mocked there, but he's way up. I think I saw him inside the top 10 of Daniel Jeremiah's mock today. So, like, I know the first mock I did in the offseason, he was there at 42 in the simulators. And so he's not going to be there, more than likely. But um, could it be like Thule, Thule, Poto, the kid from USC, inside-out flexibility. There's some kids from Auburn now inside – it feels like some inside prospects are going to be there. Maisie Smith, Keanu Benton, Wisconsin. Um, you know, if you look a little later, like the Byron Young at Alabama. Um, if you go even a little later, like Broderick Martin out of Western Kentucky. Mike Morris, the Michigan inside-out kid, uh, is is probably going to be forty-two and ninety-eight uh, right around available there. Yeah, I think there's going to be a nice blend of edge and defensive tackle guys that they can take at 42 i certainly wouldn't want to be picking some of them like 25 to 30 because i think you know at those ranges you get a little nervous it's a weird spot but 42 if one of those fall into your lap i think you feel pretty good about it uh there's just a lot of between wide receiver edge and d tackle there's a lot of nice value i think at 42 right now um safeties in this draft andrew i don't know if you have any draft takes yet so you can feel free to jump into these No, no, it's too
0: early for the (laughs) draft, Jake.
1: Safety's got guys. I mean, like Chris Smith from Georgia is a nice – if you're looking for a post safety, he certainly could be a guy. Jordan Battle from Alabama could be there. J.L. Skinner, the Boise State kid is fun. Um, Trying to think again, you guys are asking good draft questions and I just don't have lists right in front of me uh, to talk through some of those draft guys, but – uh, those are guys that I have taken in those earlier portions um, of those of those like like safety types. I mean, Brian Branch would be a home run, but he's gonna go in the first round, the uh, other Alabama's three Alabama safeties that could be drafted in this draft. Uh, the, the, those guys are at the top. But yeah, I kind of think those are the names that we've been around. pick forty two selecting Jamie Robinson, the Florida State kid, uh, who's got shorter arms, shorter profile, but is a really fun box safety who can do a couple different things that you want, obviously coming down playing run fits, but obviously able to cover some guys in man if Schwartz wants to go with a bit more man. So uh, those are just names off the top of my head. We'll do, I mean, I do a mock every day, check it out. I write up full detailed stuff as often as I can on those guys. So that's, uh, that's readily available every single morning. If you want to consume more names from the draft, and then we'll do those lightning mocks uh, a little bit, uh, like I said, a couple weeks from now. So looking at the projections from Jack, are we really going to stomach paying DPJ 10 to 12.5? I don't think they will. I really think they're trying to figure out Agreed. a replacement um, uh, in case his number gets that high. Um, right. Could they pay him seven? Sure. I don't think they want to break the bank for Donovan people's Jones. So I don't see them paying out 10 to 12. Um, you know, million. I I really, I really don't, uh, we'll just leave it at that. I don't know what you think, Andrew, but I don't think that's going to happen.
0: I would be disappointed. I mean, you know, Jack has, has been all over the fact that they've got the most 10 plus million dollar players, um, you know, in the league right now. And, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones to me does not, does not hit that level of quality where, you know, he's a, he's a must keep or anything like that. Um, and that makes me think, you know, as, as we're sitting here talking about, you know, moves they could make this offseason, if they feel like they don't want to extend him, is there a chance that he gets thrown into a trade for a wide receiver? You know, if you're if you're the Broncos, for example, yeah. and they want to move on from Cortland Sutton, if you get Donovan Peoples-Jones back, you're getting, what, 70-80% of Cortland Sutton? Uh, and Mm -hmm. you get one cheap year and maybe you can, I I don't, I, I mean, that's, I, that just jumped into my head right now. I don't know if it would actually make sense for anybody, but it's, it's a little bit more of a baseball idea, right? Where if you, if you know, you're not going to sign the guy, trade him now, get some assets before he walks out the door. But of course, you know, in the, in the, in the NFL, you've got the comp pick formula too. And so the Browns will, at some point, whenever they stop signing, too many free agents want to have players that will earn them compensatory picks. And, and he could be one of those guys.
1: Yeah. Well said nothing to add to that other than I, I just, I think they're going to look to be as creative as possible to gain some value from him. I, I really, I really Agreed. do. Yeah. Um, to this point, I wish AVP was coming maybe well, it's still not out the window that he could You never yeah. know. Kevin can give that can up in any that. moment. Yeah. Uh, Paris Campbell, um, so the potential low cost addition, I saw his number projected from Pro Football Focus around seven a year. Mm. I, I can't, I can't get into that. I mean, Paris can run, and I like that, but he's really a short route. Uh, really, what he did at Ohio State when he was with Dwayne Haskins and in that explosive group there it was a lot of mesh, a lot of short, shallow stuff that he turned up field and made plays on because he could run away from people, and that was some of what he did last year. Um, if Paris was around the four million dollar range, I'd be more into it but I think right. he is going to get in a week, 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 free agent wide receiver class, his first good year of production. It's funny because Miko Hardman got hurt last year and people are kind of cold on him, even though yeah. he's produced every single year to, for, for relative to, to what his role was. And then yeah. it's like, okay, now Paris Campbell has one decent year and everyone is like forgetting the three injury riddled seasons he had before. So right. I'm right. not into paying him very much. If, if Paris is like a, Three and a half, $4 million player. I could be into it, but I do think in a weak class and speed and all of that, I think he's going to get paid by, by somebody. Yeah. Um,
0: give me Hardman for what it's worth. If we, if we're talking yeah. about Cam- yes. Campbell versus Hardman, give me Hardman every time out, if, especially if their numbers are anywhere close. Hard, I mean, Very much agree. Uh, TA had it, had a little article today on his website about free agent or uh, trade targets that the Browns could see at wide receiver. And he had Hardman at the top of his free agent list. I, He's, you know, he's 24 years old. I think it makes a ton of sense.
1: If you're looking for speed, guy who can run downfield vertically, challenge defenses to stay in more too high, can do creative stuff out of the backfield, it's always been a mesh. It's just a matter of what he's going to make. Because right. if you, exactly. you, you're you not getting a, a fight-through-contact physical player there. He's very limited to what he can do. Now, what he can do is valuable, but it, it is what when you're paying, you don't want to pay for all-around talent when it's a niche talent. Put it that exactly. way. Um, We'll leave it at that with Hardman But I would like him, I really would But it can't be a $14 million, $13 million player Like that's bananas Yes, I think Greedy Williams is gone Now could they bring him back on the minimum if nobody wants him He doesn't get any interest around the league Yeah, he could be back on the minimum But I don't expect him uh, to be back here Um, In any way Good question here Do you think the the win now, the Browns are in They'll stick to the same guardrails I think it has a chance to be looser than ever this year And it should The Browns when they're so limited in picks, they only have two and a reminder, this could change. they could drop back. They don't have two top 100 picks here. One of those two top 100s is pick 98. You need guys that can make a difference. and like, I need guys that they feel like can can play. not mm-hmm. eh, well, you know, we develop him, he's 21, you develop him, he could work out. Now I need you to tell me this guy can play and he can play early. I don't care if you draft a 23-year-old or as the draft gets later a 24-year-old if you know that guy can see the field. I don't care if his rookie deal expires and he's 28 because you've gotten four years of actual value out of that player. So I want them to obviously in any neutral situation always take the younger player if if all things are equal. That's common sense. But in this scenario that you're pointing out here, Dylan, I've talked about it a lot. If you know you just need to know you're getting players who can find the field at this right. point. So if they're a great athlete, and this is a great example in some of these mocks, you talk to a lot of different analysts, you look around Tank Dell, this kid from Houston, Nathaniel Dell, Fun wide receiver as twitchy as twitched up wide receivers can get, but he's short, five nine ish, one sixty, but he's twenty four. But the speed at which he plays, the surprising amount of contact strength he has for a smaller receiver. And I'm telling you, as lightning quick as lightning quick gets, he can play. So if you're at 111 or 98, I don't care that he's 24. I know he can touch the field and play for us this year. He's going to be an effective player. Now, does it suck? He's 28 at the end of his rookie contract? Sure. But if you get four great years out of this guy, that does also matter. So I do think this year more than ever, as they are in a more hyper-focused, now all the chips are in. There is no excuse to be had. Not saying they're all in against everything here. Doesn't mean they're going to be crazy, reckless, stupid all the time. But they are as out of excuses, all in as it gets. They have the quarterback. They have every single big name they've wanted to have ready to go. You should be getting players that you know can help and not projects. I'm just telling you, that if you're thinking about guys, oh, maybe this guy can find the field in a year or two. Maybe if we develop. I don't want maybes. I don't care their age. I want guys who can find the field and you know it. They can find the field right away. They need impact. They need, uh, although we hope they go through free agency and plug every single hole. That's always the goal. You need guys that can play in the draft, man. You do. You got to find some answers there. So uh, I don't know if you want to piggyback on that at all, Andrew, with your opinion, but that's just uh, uh, where I am on this very important topic, which is this age guard rail bending. They've shown they'll bend in Mm -hmm. areas before they've moved up for a linebacker. No one said they would do that, right? They, they uh, took older prospects late, right? 23, 24-year-old. I think Isaiah Thomas was drafted late 23 into 24 as a seventh-round pick. They'll do it late. But I don't want them focusing on, hey, it's got to be sixth-round before we do that. No, man, get guys who can play. They need it more than ever. I get it years ago when they had more picks, younger, yeah, earlier picks, all that stuff. Now you have very limited quantity of picks. You need to find some guys who can play with those picks. And, and, and I'll be damned if it's like, well, he's 23, man. Can't have that. Okay. What? Like we got, you got to loosen that a little bit.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I really have not looked at the draft much yet. Um, but the two things that seem obvious to me is that they, they almost have to trade down from 42 if they can get something for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you said earlier, especially if they could get something this year and next year, that would be ideal. Uh, and, and they do have to consider loosening the guardrails um, to help get, Considering where they will be drafting, especially if they trade down to get guys that can get on the field this year.
1: Yeah, I think I continue to look at 64 and 65, which is what Denver has. Can you move 42 for 64 and 65 and give up like 111? 42, right. 111 for 64, 65, because Denver really desperate to come up and get somebody in their certain win now uh, right. ties as well. So right. um, that's a spot I continue to look at pretty heavily. Uh, Emerson, Ward Newsom, who sits? It's it's really Richard. game plan dependent. It, it, well, yeah, yeah. well, that's probably going to happen. But it is game plan dependent. Types of wide receivers. Emerson's better yeah. against the bigger body George Pickens, uh, A.J. Brown type guys. Ward is obviously twitched up, boundary corner. Newsom can do the same. I think it's very game plan dependent. Um, and there is still a way to find all three of them on the field at the same time. Leave it at that. We'll dig yep. into that later in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Tell her any trade value. I <laughs> went over this with uh with uh brad on sunday's things i think i know if you don't think you want wyatt teller on your team because of this reason that reason the next reason you're not any smarter than the other gms in the league who are wondering why you want to trade him. they also know the issues i do think he has some trade value teams like even in a bad year for wyatt teller he was still a top 15 guard last year so there's value he can play it's just the contract is spicy so yeah. it's not like hey we'll take Wyatt cuz we're only paying him 7 million a year. You're paying him good money. So that's the other thing. I don't think the trade value is as high as we think it is, and I also don't just want to give him away for a 7th round pick either. Um, yeah. you know, because you're still paying him money. So it's a tricky spot. It's a really tricky spot, and I don't think, you know, everyone wants to I heard a great point today. Everyone tries to trade down in mock drafts and trade trade trade. trade. We, the, the thing about trades is it takes two to tango. And and yeah. it's not It's certainly not as easy as we want to pretend like it is. It's not like you pick up the video game, go into the trade menu, and there's another team willing to trade with you. you got to have people that need it. They're desperate for it. They'll give you a value for it. um, And I don't know that that is going to be there for Wyatt Teller, put it that way.
0: Yeah, I'll just add that uh, I think that there's a chance that the Teller contract and the Conklin contract as well could be real sticking points in, in our evaluation. Of Andrew Berry because the Teller contract right now is not—it's certainly not a value, right? I mean, he has to play at a very high level to earn that money, and the and yep. the Conklin contract to me is in the same neighborhood. And so Jack Conklin has to bounce back, and I mean they both like the right side of the offensive line has to be really really good this year to earn the immense amount of money they're getting paid.
1: Those are what we call teetering contracts, right? They sway public opinion yeah. when you look back on them at some point, point. and not just those individual players. The entire line has to be good to 100%. to pay what you're paying to so many of them. The cohesive unit, not when you're like, well, I looked at Wyatt and he was pretty. Now the offensive line has to be dominant, and we were really s- sort of looking sideways, peculiar, for, you know. Yeah. Uneasy about the way that year ended so um interesting to see how they come out this next year what's the optimal number of picks this year i think they have eight i think seven and pushing a pick a good pick into 23 if you can is a route that i would be considering can you get back a fourth in in next year's draft some way somehow so seven this year seven next year would be my goal as we sit here. I'm sure there's a bunch of fine details we can get into about how they can maybe get a comp pick here or there, blah, blah, blah. Seven and seven is where I would like to be on this whole thing. Um, let me see if I can find it. Is it crazy to move Emerson to safety? Not crazy per se. He likes to hit, um, but I feel like they can solve that role. And he's got a valuable thing at corner, and he's, he's good. At, and I just feel like, I don't sit here thinking the Browns can't find a post safety to go with Grant Delpit and figure this out. Now it's not going to be Jesse Bates the way some people are trying to make it happen. It's just, it's going to be Bates is going to demand some money. And I don't think the Browns should pay that. And I mean, they made one mistake at safety. I don't think they need to compound it. They can go get some role-playing safeties who can do those jobs. I continue to look at the Juan Thornhill and Geno stones of the world. and think you can get by on that. I don't think they need to go launching a bunch of money but i also don't think we should be worried about moving um moving emerson uh, off of his position right now just just my uh, opinion on that nothing to add? that's fine okay um <laughs> did they, it's okay i just want to leave it open sometimes i, I only answer and I, I, I want to make sure you have a chance to do they address defensive so attack hard, i was stunned to silence <laughs> um Let's put it this way. They haven't drafted defensive tackle well. So if you want the Browns to just draft yeah. defensive tackles with the pick range they have, that should not make you feel comfortable. On top of it is not a position that players come in their first year that are not picked in the top 20-ish and right. play really well. Usually right. defensive tackles take time to develop, and it's hard. I mean, listen, going from college, you're typically shooting gaps and beating guys that are w- worse than you to going against double teams at the point of attack. 80% of the time in run game and playing against, uh, you know, you know again, interiors that are outnumbering you and usually will double team you and pass protection on, on again, like 60% of your pass rush. Now it's hard. It's yep. really hard. And if a guy falls out of the first round and he's in the second, third, fourth round, he's got flaws. And there's no better guy to look at than on Winfrey, who was mocked to go to the Browns in the 40th pick just before the draft in Vegas last year goes to the fourth round. And we're like, oh. You can see it. You can see this issue he had playing one gap, shooting up field at Oklahoma, and how it doesn't translate. I'm just telling you, man, one of the hardest things to do in the world is take on two 300-pound linemen blocking you and anchor that or split it without being driven 50 feet to the to the left or right. It's hard, man. It's really hard. So I hope, like Andrew mentioned earlier, with solving nickel, I hope they bring in two basement-level lifting defensive tackles and free agency to offset the mistakes of Tommy Togiai and obviously the mistake now that we have, have seen bear itself out in Jordan Elliott, they need better solid. They don't have to go like I just saw, uh, on a, ironically, the franchise tag for Deron Payne is um, Pro Football Talk said it's 99.9% likely the commanders tag Daron Payne, which I have thought that was going to happen because they don't have a quarterback contract. It's different in Denver, who's paying Russell Milson an arm and a leg. And I get that they're trying to retain talent in Denver, yada, yada, yada. But he's not – Draymond Jones, who we just wrote up, is not Dayron Payne. It's not the same player. He's not as good. Right. And you don't want to pay him 18 or 19. 18 or 19 is not a bad number for Payne. He's going to demand 20 on the market. It's a good number. Hold on to him for another year until maybe you're looking at getting a better quarterback in the draft, whatever, whatever. I just thought Dayron Payne hitting the market was slim to none. But I don't think they should be going after those guys. I think they should be going after cheap-ish, three to five to six – couple of those types of defensive tackles and an edge to just they need to become competent in the defensive line and then try to draft somebody that can develop into the secondary. and again Alex Reich it's still developed new new coach new system I think we're all pretty lenient on saying the young guys get a pass for what they were dealing with last year and the year before that we should give those guys a chance so Alex Reich could still solve it like there's just a lot to be to be uh decided here but I prefer they they sign two defensive tackles and one edge. What do you think?
0: Uh, I agree. I, I would even say two defensive tackles and two edges. Like I, I just I don't want to see um, depth issues on the defensive line. I, I feel like we've seen those often. Miles Garrett played a ton of snaps last year, uh, and 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 you know that that's only going to get harder for him to do year over year. Uh, we want him to be fresh. We want him to be rested for the end of the season, for the end of games. The only way that you can do that is if you have other guys that the coordinator trusts to get out there on third down sometimes, uh, or, or, you know, on, or on a drive in the second quarter that they can give Garrett a a solid, you know, 15 minute blow in the, in the second quarter of a game. So they need depth. Uh, they have not addressed it by drafting. They've drafted poorly. Um, I agree with you that you can still give a guy like Alex right time and, and, you know, maybe Winfrey turns into a, a backup, you know, player. But, you know, Elliott and Togi, those guys, I mean, I, those, I don't know that they get any more time. I think that yeah. ship has sailed. And so, um, you know, replacing those two players, Jordan Elliott and Tommy togii with, with two, uh, you know, high-end backup to low-end starter players in the NFL will make their defense look so much different. You won't recognize it.
1: Couldn't agree more. Well said. Nothing to add. No notes, as the kids say. Uh, if Clowney came back with conviction that he was very, very, very sorry, we could bring him back. And I mean a crying apology.
0: I would, I can I handle would this say this hey, yeah. I
1: would, I would pat him on the back and and just say, hey, man,
0: good yeah. luck. He's closer luck to, to retiring time. than he is yeah. to coming back to Cleveland.
1: <laughs> That's Genuinely. well said. Um yeah, Clowney's gone, man. That that was an unbelievable. Display. Like he might he might um,
0: not play in the league again. He might not get the money he wants, and he might just be like, yeah. okay, cool.
1: I, I I agree, I agree. Um, I think more likely Ryan would they target anybody who Watson used to play with at wide receiver. I think it's more likely they go after a fringe tight end. Uh, Mm -hmm. than a wide receiver. Um, Will Fuller seems like a guy you just said about retirement. It doesn't seem like he's playing anytime soon. We talked about what it would take to trade for Brandon Cooks, who's approaching 30 quickly. Do you want to give up pick 42, your only valuable pick this year? uh, For Brandon Cooks, hard for me to get in on that. Um, But, again, uh, I I think tight end there is a bit more of a possibility. Um, Where do you think Jackson Smith and Jigba Falls – Cannot see him getting past Kansas City at the end of the first round. Just cannot cannot see him getting out of the first round. He, okay, let me say that. I say that without testing. If he's terrible in the testing next weekend in the, in the, the combine through the first week of March, then yes. It, but And I don't think he's going to run a great 40. But if his broad vertical and um, you know, his shuttle and uh, three-cone are bad, ish average ish it's possible i should say that i should never say never until you get testing but uh taking a year you know, the year of injuries all of that um you know i i it's possible but i i can't he's too good i just i really couldn't see him getting past right now out of the first round would be a surprise to me who besides newsom do you think is a veteran candidate to be traded i mean we talked about why teller and how fringe that is G-O-K. i guess a team yeah i mean probably in terms of like, you got to understand when you say, no, they never trade JOK. You got to give up something to get something. That's the thing people don't want to ever do. You don't ever want, everyone in the off season wants to make these trades that swindle other teams. Not going to happen.
0: JOK is a name that
1: you could. um,
0: Maybe if somebody was really desperate for a tight end, you could get something for Harrison Bryant.
1: Possibly um, a low pick. Maybe, Um, you know, you Uh, talk about, Like maybe a low fringe defensive lineman type there because we saw, you know, we saw Mac Wilson get traded for Chase Winovich. It's always possible. uh, Two guys who have sort of floundered in their roles, but um, you know, Wyatt Teller could uh, if a team's desperate. We really need to improve our offensive line, Uh, but that's that's sort of it. I mean, that's sort of. I mean, unless you want to talk about Nick Chubb, if somebody, well, that's um. (laughs) It's <laughs> a different conversation. I, I'm again I'm, I'm been pretty vocal about my desire the run game to change. I love Nick, would love him here, but if someone offered you something you could you couldn't refuse, yeah, uh you would take exactly. it. You just would. Yeah. But anyway, um yeah, anyway, that's it. That's that's really yeah. it. Um, can they trade someone for draft picks? Uh I mean we same. who we mentioned, sort of who yeah. we just mentioned. Maybe you could trade Jed if someone's in love with the potential still of Jedrick Wills, could you get something for him? Um Cheap left tackles like he is for another year and a cheap uh, uh, fifth year option always uh, po- possible that somebody's interested in that uh, that you can't refuse that offer. But again, th- I think that's kind of everybody. Yeah. What about bringing in Greg Roman as a consultant I'd be very into it. I mean, I've talked yeah, I like pretty vocally about uh, Greg Roman's ability to get plus one in the run game with the quarterback and be creative. Yep. I mean, he was whipping this stuff up with Colin Kaepernick a decade ago, like. He can do it. I would. I don't want Greg Robinson calling my offense or designing the entirety of it. But his opinion on, uh, um, his opinion on the entirety of of quarterback run game is one that I would be, um, that I would be very interested in. Very interested yep. in. Could we go after DeAndre Hopkins? Sure. Is no trade is uh, clause is gone. If I'm trading it for a wide receiver who's older. I would trade for Hopkins over anybody else. Um, preferably I would go after a younger type, but those are again, a bit more valuable, a little tougher. Yeah. But again, if you're saying, Hey man, we have to swing for a veteran wide receiver in the trade market. We'll give up 42. Let's do it. I prefer Hopkins to anybody else. Just
0: put it that way. It's pretty do simple. You like, you like Hopkins over Mike Evans?
1: Yeah, I do. I think, I think Hopkins is a bit more unique to what they need. Cool. Um, so yeah, I lean that way. Uh, a couple more. Well, the thing is about Mike Evans, the Bucks don't actually save much money. They only save like two and a half million on the cap okay. if they move him. So I was talking. I have a, good, a couple good friends of mine are Tampa Bay guys, and they're like, "Oh, right oh it's, more, it's actually more possible that they re-sign or extend him mm. um, to open up money than it is to uh, to let him go. Gotcha. Um, let me pick one more question because it's been over an hour and we got to get out of here. Um, yes, we've seen the end of the Anthony Schwartz project. Yeah. I cannot imagine. Um, and Anthony Schwartz being back here, uh, for any, any sort of, any sort of rule next year. Um, compensation pick this year. We, uh, we, we do not see, I, I'm Jack will yell at me if I got this wrong. I don't think we see one this year. We have a chance if cook is higher next year. Um, right. Uh, potentially, or anybody else in the front office uh, hired. But right. that Cook has got an interview, so he certainly could be one. And the last question here from Ben Joseph, been wanting to ask for three weeks, is there any scenario in which you guys could see us moving up for a wide receiver? Hard for me to see. It's Is there a scenario? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they love Zay Flowers, if they love Josh Downs, or they're somehow Quentin, Quentin Johnson gets out of there, or Jordan, and whoever.
0: Maybe Patrick Smith kind of be and Jibba, like like who, who we just uh, talked about, right? It have to kind of be like the uh, the JOK, JOK scenario, right? Where yeah. somebody that's supposed to—I mean, all all of March and April, JOK was supposed to go in the top twenty, yeah. And there he was at at 40, 45. You know, if somebody's yeah. sitting there at 38, 39, and
1: yeah. they
0: only have to go up a few spots, I think they, yeah. I think they'd do it.
1: Yeah. So if they could trade like forty, forty-two, and ninety-eight for thirty-seven and 110 just right where they only slide back a certain number yeah like that's the type of tribute they're not giving up i did a jackson smith and jigba mock where i gave up 42 98 126 to move up to pick 30 i think was where i got him that's Mm -hmm. just hard to it's hard to envision them doing that i don't think they look at it and say we're we're one player away from this whole thing um could it be player and picks as evan said here it could never yeah, going to tell you hard, it couldn't though. happen yeah. but but they are trickier because yeah. again you need somebody who's really into that player and also would be willing to take back certain elements of you know sending over pick yeah. pick for player things are not as common as we think they are i think the browns will be asking a ton of questions put it that way and oh, it's yeah. definite. it's definitely possible that they could make a move up like we said there or they could go off of a player if somebody like if somebody said, hey, man, we'll give you 37 for Greg Newsom," They might be uh, very interested in that. They um, might be very interested in it. So definitely it's all they're hunting picks. They're hunting picks and they're hunting yep. players. Yep. Um, but they're going to get a bunch of calls and they're going to place a bunch of calls and they're having those conversations. So I don't like lo- this is the hard thing. I think that more than uh, what we talk about here, they're talking to a lot of people. They're doing a lot of investigate uh, investigation work. And I don't want to sit and be like, nope, can't go trade for Jerry Judy when they trade for Jerry Judy like they could. They, there's a lot of elements sure. that move here. We don't know. All we can do is kind of tell you the angles around these things. So I hope we gave you guys some good answers. It's, it's, uh, it's late. We're going to get out of here. Appreciate a ton. So many good questions. I want to yeah. come back and do this next week. Tuesday will be, I think, like the 28th, my birthday, ironically. Hey. Uh, so we'll come back. Hey, 34. Yikes. So we'll come back. And do another one. And then I want to make the first March one a dueling mock draft. So that's when we we'll get into having, having some data and, and having a, a red-hot mock draft. And we'll get you guys. I think it was really fun last year, Andrew, when we got yeah. uh, everybody else involved. So we'll get you yeah, guys sure. involved and have your own fan-voted mock, mine, and then we'll try to get a guest on too. And it should be should be a lot of fun. So thanks for being here. We appreciate you guys much. Andrew, I appreciate your time energy, efforts, and insight, as usual. Um, you guys stop by, check out the pod the rest of the week, and check out the player eval probability sheets that we have up uh, going on at the OBR the rest of the week as well. And uh, go read Andrew's article about how Kevin Stefanski needs to get better. Well, worth your time. For uh, <laughs> advice
0: Andrew. for the head coach of the Browns. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So hopefully he reads it. For you, Andrew, for me, I'm Jake. You guys have a great night. Appreciate you being here. Go Browns. Go Browns.